0: Coming up on Stu Does America, Andrew Cuomo had a lot of nasty stuff come out really quickly regarding his behavior toward female colleagues. So it's easy to forget that he's also responsible for the deaths of thousands of seniors in nursing homes in New York. I'll be joined by Janice Dean, who most certainly has not forgotten about the governor's criminal conduct, and we'll look into the latest in his unraveling. And wouldn't you know it, it seems the Joe Biden administration isn't quite the progressive paradise that all you crazy liberals were hoping for. You know how I can tell? Because he fires his staffers for smoking the reefer. Crazy Uncle Joe with his war on drugs. Oh no. Happy Friday, everyone. Let's all celebrate by heading over to my Instagram page at StuDoesAmerica and clicking the link in the bio to watch this show, listen to it for free. Whatever you need, the links are right there. Pick your favorite platform and then be sure to subscribe to our channel and like all of our content, even this video, right now before you forget or I say something that pisses you off or consider joining the fight against conservative censorship with your very own subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code Stu. Why? Because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. The New York Times has been very, very interesting lately, covering some stories and being truthful about some others that I wouldn't expect. But of course they have to go and do something stupid like this and completely redeem themselves as awful journalists. Let's do the media's new narrative. Stew does America. Well, everybody, there's a new narrative in town. And while it might sound like the old narrative, it's important to understand that it's a brand new narrative. Now, if you're running a company's social media page, don't panic. It doesn't mean you have to update all of your previous pandering posts about being against Asian-American hate. For example, have you been wondering what the producers of crotchless panties think about the attacks on the Asian-American community? <laughs> well, now we know. Victoria's Secret and Pink stand with our Asian community. We see you. We hear you. We are with you. Victoria's Secret. Thank God the six foot three, 103 pound, mostly naked models at Victoria's Secret are standing up for the Asian community. And now, you know, like think about this when you charge something on your credit card or you take a flight and you get those uh, airline points. And then there's some people there who are like trying to help you maximize those points. How do those people feel about the Asian-American community? Thankfully, we now know we at the points guy. (laughs) Stand with our Asian-American Pacific Islander friends, family and colleagues against hate and racism. Hashtag stop Asian hate. Look, I I get it, but you shouldn't need to remind people that you aren't against Asians. I don't feel the need to remind people that I'm not against Asian people because I feel you should assume I am not against Asian people. In fact, I'm not against any kind of people and I don't feel the need to do an Instagram post to broadcast it. Every company on Earth was apparently so nervous that people might think they were against Asians, they had to signal their non-anti-Asian propaganda to prove it. I don't know about you, but I start all my interactions with all companies under the impression that they don't hate Asians. I, maybe I'm naive on this, I don't know. I was sort of shocked by that one message I did see on social media, though. We here at Snossage's, Want to make it clear. We've put a lot of thought into it. We're going to have to take the sides of the attackers on this one. We were borderline for a while, but yeah, we agree. Asian people are bad. Sincerely, your friends at Snausages. I got to say, after seeing that, I am taking the brave stand, and now I am going elsewhere for my sausage-themed dog treats. So we've seen the narrative, right? A massive increase of anti-Asian violence skyrocketing, and we've seen that narrative rise in popularity recently. And frankly, we don't have enough information to know if it's true or not. The data just isn't available yet. But we do know that it wasn't just about anti-Asian violence. It was about politics too. Specifically, Donald Trump and his minions said China virus so many times that it made MAGA QAnon types start beating up Asian people in the streets for absolutely no reason. The Atlanta shootings of eight people, six of whom were Asian, has caused an alternative narrative uh, sort of kind of to develop. Because the shooters reported sexual addiction, the new narrative is that people are still racist against Asians because they are fetishized and over-sexualized by Americans. The New York Times has been leading this this one kind of along, although I'm not exactly sure I understand the wording of this last stereotype. Asian-American women have long been stereotyped as sexually submissive, portrayed in popular culture as exotic lotus blossoms and manipulative dragon ladies. Okay, sure, that's been done frequently in pop culture, in particular in movies made by Hollywood. No self-reflection needed there, guys. None at all. But apparently the Times is also concerned with Asians being stereotyped as, quote, inherently superior to other women in a way that erases their individuality. They're stereotyped as superior? And because they're better than others, they have their individuality erased. I it's a very interesting stereotype by the Times. Times has a piece out called Asian Americans are being attacked. Why are hate crime charges so rare in it? It describes several reported attacks beginning with a gripping tale of violence. On a cold evening last month, a Chinese man was walking home near Manhattan's Chinatown neighborhood when a stranger suddenly ran up behind him and plunged a knife into his back. For many Asian Americans, the stabbing was horrifying, but not surprising. It was widely seen as just the latest example of racially targeted violence against Asians during the pandemic. Okay, well, this clearly backs up the narrative, right? Chinese guy stabbed for no reason in the back. Yet another example of this pandemic China virus problem we're all talking about, right? Well, once you read the rest of the story, another picture emerges. First, the perpetrator was a 23-year-old man of Middle Eastern descent. Here's a picture of the guy. I mean, I don't think he's a white supremacist. Uh, it doesn't quite look like... I mean, if he is a white supremacist, he's really, really bad at it. The attacker also was an immigrant from Yemen. Yemen, of course, uh, as we all know, well-known for its dense population of Trump supporters... In addition, our attacker had suffered severe mental health uh, issues for years. He had, quote, often been getting into fights and landing in jail. He had been arrested multiple times for attacking his brother and father, neither of which, to my knowledge, are Asian. And even though he had been beating members of the family, his brother and mother both said he had never expressed any hatred toward Asians. Also, he didn't say anything about the coronavirus or China or Asia while committing the attack. In fact, the media did report that he had previously punched an Asian guy until they realized in reality, he was Hispanic. Oopsies. So you have uh, an immigrant from Yemen with mental health issues, a long criminal record, who has no record of being anti-Asian before and didn't say anything about Asians during the attack, being used as the marquee example of anti-Asian hate crimes. That's journalism, everybody. The Times goes on to feature numerous physical and verbal incidents supposedly confirming the narrative, like when they note, quote, the only person who has been prosecuted for an anti-Asian hate crime in New York City this year is Taiwanese. He was accused of writing anti-Chinese graffiti outside several businesses in Queens. They do note one person who is allegedly uh, yelling China virus while spitting at a woman. The description of the perp isn't exactly helpful, though. Quote, the suspect is described as a man in his 30s, about 200 pounds and 5'5". I mean, that narrows it down, doesn't it? I see another short, overweight guy in his 30s, and there's another, and there's another. Arrest them all. They do note one pretty clear-cut example of the main narrative. Quote: A white woman was charged with a hate crime last March after she bumped into an Asian woman crossing the street in Manhattan and said... You're the reason why the coronavirus is here before spitting on her and pulling out some of her hair, according to prosecutors. Okay, uh, yes, if guilty, this person is an absolute idiot. But it's hard to create a national crisis out of a hair pulling incident from a year ago. Another example of an ugly attack by a white guy in a red hoodie, which, by the way, red, the same color as Donald Trump hats. This was, a, uh, of course, this attack was cited by actress Olivia Munn. These stories
1: are not new mm. for us. It's, these are things that we, you know, it, it's in the echo chamber of our community. It, you know, we hear it and we know it.
0: <laughs> She's ad- admitting to an echo chamber. This is another strain of the new narrative, though. It's not just that Trump supporters are doing this or that it's people who fetishize Asians. It's also that Asians have always been the victims of violence. These things have been happening over and over again. Things have always been bad for Asians in America. On a side note, I would certainly agree that there were definitely times when things were really bad for Asians. Like, for example, when FDR was president. You know, the guy progressives consistently rank as one of our top three presidents. But the problem with this new branch of the narrative is that we do have good data for the past. And we do have that data for a time when Donald Trump was president. You may have noticed that Donald Trump didn't exactly just start saying bad things about China in 2020. He literally literally ran a campaign about China being the chief nemesis of the United States and then called out China constantly throughout his presidency. It's pretty hard to make the case that Trump could have been more negative about China, the country, while it's important to note he was never negative about Chinese people in, in, uh, in and of themselves. In fact, one of the few times Trump praised Chinese leadership was at the beginning of the pandemic, criticism that was only reversed when it became obvious the communist government screwed the world over to an epic degree. Yet in the complete data from the middle of the Trump presidency, there is simply no indication whatsoever that Asian Americans are victims of anything near a violent wave of racism by horribly racist Asian fetishizing white supremacists. I want to show you the real numbers, and this is always awkward when you have to show the real numbers, but we're going to do it anyway. It's important to note that this is all violent incidents, not just incidents involving hate crimes. So if the problem were with hate crime reporting standards, as the New York Times says it is, these numbers should prove that out. But instead, they do the opposite. This is from Table 14 of the Criminal Victimization Report from the U.S. Department of Justice Office. It shows that while whites made up 62% of the population, they committed only 24% of the attacks on Asian Americans. That is the same percentage as Asians themselves, who only make up 6% of the population. In fact, according to the DOJ, quote, blacks, end quote, are responsible for 27.5% of the attacks on Asians. That's actually three points higher than whites, despite making up about one-fifth of the population size. Again, I'm reading from the DOJ report directly, and this obviously does not mean that the racist fever dreams of white nationalists are true. But what it does show is that there is no wave of white on Asian violence that went on during the Trump presidency. In fact, again, according to the DOJ, Asian Americans make up 6.3% of the population, but are only the victims of 4.2% of violent crimes. Per capita, that is the best result of any race or ethnicity measured by the Department of Justice in the report. Now, in September or so of this year, we will get the numbers for 2020. Is it possible that we will see a massive change in those numbers? It is possible, but it's certainly not a foregone conclusion. Donald Trump didn't start thinking China was a problem for America in March of 2020. But one thing we know for sure, none of the companies posting on Instagram have any evidence that there is a massive wave on white on Asian violence. This is a narrative it is a changing narrative. And while posting on social media about problems real and imagined can make you feel good, it does nothing to solve the challenges this country is truly up against. Mainstream media and big tech have worked tirelessly to cover up the corruption of the Biden family and Hunter Biden but now you have a chance to help make sure this story is actually heard all around the world. The filmmakers behind the Gosnell movie have announced a brand new project, uh, a feature film called My Son Hunter that will expose the Hunter Biden scandal. If you saw the Gosnell movie, they did a really good job with it. You can learn more at mysonhuntermovie.com. This movie will tell all. It's going to do the whole thing. I mean, Hunter's escapades, uh, the contents of his laptop, his shady foreign business deals, his ties to China. These independent filmmakers, though, need your help. Guess what? This is going to shock you. Hollywood is not going to fund this movie. That is not happening. It's way too controversial and it exposes the truth behind some of the most powerful people in politics. That's why they're bringing this film directly to the people, to be funded by you. Your gift of $10, $50, 100 bucks, whatever you can do, Uh, That will expose the most corrupt family in politics since the Clintons. And that's saying something. And your donation is 100% tax deductible. Please go to mysonhuntermovie.com, mysonhuntermovie.com right now to make your donation. Once again, it's mysonhuntermovie.com. Do it today. I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Janice Dean. She's the senior meteorologist for Fox News, as well as the author of Make Your Own Sunshine, inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. Janice, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, hi. Uh, there's something just so great about seeing you with the Andrew Cuomo is awful mug. I, it, it does brighten my day. You have a way of doing that, Janice.
1: <laughs> it's my favorite mug of all times, <laughs> too. Wow.
0: We're putting that in all the advertisements from now on. I hope you don't mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally fine.
0: Um, I, I Thanks so much for coming back on. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to go through some of the developments uh, that have happened over the past few weeks. Um, Probably the biggest one to me is this, I guess it was the sixth accuser um, who came out with really a a complaint that that was a a criminal action. This is no longer in the, he was saying things that were insensitive phase. This was, uh, you know, an assault and it may wind up uh, landing him in real legal trouble.
1: Yes. It's just another thing that this guy has against him. And I said this today on social media, any other company in America would at least have suspended him, mm. if not fired him. It's unbelievable that he has so many investigations. There's a federal investigation, an FBI investigation and the justice department investigation. And now he's got seven women that have complained about his behavior and one could be an assault. Why is he not you know, taking a leave while they go through all of this information?
0: Yeah, at the very least, you'd think that would be on the table. It, it, you know, it seems like we've come to the point in all of this, on this part of it, at least, where the they're just going to wait for this investigation to, to play out. Um, he is saying he's not going to resign. There's a certain amount of uh, frustration you've seen from some local officials. But I think the Biden uh, statement where he came out and basically said, if we find something, he needs to go. People were like, oh, wow, he spoke out against Cuomo. Well, not really. I mean, this is exactly what Cuomo wants. This is what Cuomo is asking for.
1: Right. And we know that he's not going to leave unless kicking and screaming out the door. But they could start the impeachment process. They could start that in the assembly with the legislature, uh, the legislators, and then he would have to leave as they conduct the impeachment. So I, I don't know what they're waiting for, Stu.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I mean, is this because I I know putting my own bias into into this a little bit. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. I mean, I I understand I have to hold myself accountable and make sure that I don't just convict him of every accusation because there are a lot of different things going on here. There are some politicians who are looking for his power. There are people we don't know what their motivations are. Former employees. You don't know what uh, you, you can't know every one of these things. So I try to keep these things in perspective. But is that what we're looking at here? Is there there just a political calculation going on where they're saying, well, we don't want to impeach because that will be too aggressive against someone in our own party?
1: That's a really good question. And the Me Too stuff, although is disgusting, of Mm. course, I find it a little bit disheartening only because this is what the bandwagon, the major news networks are hopping onto, you know, No woman should ever be put in this position. I have been sexually harassed before, and it's not good, and I reported it, and it's just another Andrew Cuomo power thing, right? Sexual harassment is not about sex, it's about power, and it it goes with... The person that we know and that is he thinks he's the most powerful guy in the room. He uh, treats people like you know what, like crap. Uh, he demeans people and wants them to feel little and small. Um, you know, I've certainly got it from his administration, you know, with their, she's not an expert on anything but the weather mm. and calling us a death cult. Um, so, but I, I don't want people to lose track of the fact that there are over 15,000 elderly people that died last year and are still dying. Are, people are still not allowed to see their loved ones in nursing homes. It's incredible. You know, he came on and did a press conference, of course, with no reporters, because he's not taking any questions right now, um, about, you know, baseball, opening up baseball, but yet he won't let people see their loved ones in their elder care facilities. Stu, it's like, Where's the humanity in all of this?
0: Yeah, I know. I don't know. And again, (laughs) I'm putting my bias into this, but I don't know that he's capable of, of those types of things. And people keep asking at some point you think he would feel shame over these actions, that he would feel the need to come out and say, look, what happened was was really wrong and I'm really sorry for it. I don't think he's internally capable of that sort of reflection.
1: No, the only time I saw him pretending to be empathetic or sorry was the sexual harassment yeah. um, stuff when he came on. Uh, but even then, he was he was kind of blaming the victim. You know, well, they took it the wrong way. I was only joking. Um, he, it's just really incredible. You know, when we look back on this time and of his leadership, because I think eventually, I think eventually, you know, he's not going to be able to run for a fourth term, I don't think. Mm. Uh, I mean, it would be... It would be absolute insanity if he ran for a fourth term. But I guess, you know, he doesn't have anything else in his life, apparently. He doesn't have another home aside from the governor's mansion. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Um, You know, he has his girls. I feel sorry for his family. Um, I do. I I have empathy towards his three, uh, you know, children. Um, but you know, I've also heard stories about how he's treated his ex-wife um, from the Kennedy side, and you know, it's just unfortunately, I don't think this man is a very nice person. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a, that is an understatement. And as you point out, Andrew Cuomo is awful with your mug. It's perfect timing for that. Um, let's go to this because I think you know you've been, you've correctly, and I th- I totally agree with your sentiment that you just pointed out uh, that. While the Me meToo uh, element of this is really important and should not be dismissed by any means, it's like when you've already become responsible for thousands of people dying, it does it does make you wonder why people aren't focusing on that more often. Um, it's been interesting to see i think you've had some exchanges with uh, with people that you know wouldn't maybe necessarily um, agree with someone who you're on Fox News, right? You, you're not supposed to be able to to agree with Ron Kim, right? Ron Kim has come out and he's he's been very supportive through this. Um, I, I saw that you also had an exchange with Ben Stiller, which was, I thought, pretty interesting of um, going back a little bit. Can you kind of tell people about what it's been like to talk to people um, from all sorts of backgrounds about these problems in New York?
1: Well, I've met a lot of families uh, that have, you know, had the same thing happen to them, and I feel very bonded and close to them because we've all sh- had this shared experience, and all we all want answers. We still want to know where the March twenty fifth order came from. We want to know why they, the numbers have been covered up, and he, you know, his administration has basically admitted that they covered up the numbers. But yes, Ron Kim and I have have been friends for many months now. He had an uncle that died in a nursing home, so his. His journey is a personal one, and he's been very vocal uh, against the governor and, you know, also sort of being an investigative journalist, you know, putting a lot of information out there about the fact that the governor clearly wasn't listening to science. So who was he listening to? And more and more, it looks like hospital lobbyists were the ones that were whispering in his ear saying, We want paying customers in our hospital. We Mm. don't want nursing home uh, people who might have the virus or have the virus. We need to get them out of here. Um, So, you know, there is more and more information leading to that. And then the fact that the governor had a blanket immunity put in place for all the nursing homes just like a day or two after he issued that March 25th order. So, that's being investigated by the FBI. Um, So, and then all of those health officials that that quit, nine of them, why did they quit? Is it because maybe the governor wasn't listening to them saying, maybe you shouldn't be putting COVID positive patients into nursing homes? And, you know, there are more whistlebl- whistleblowers. We had uh, a nursing home um, a person, administrator that came on Fox News and basically admitted we, we didn't have a choice, you know he thinks we had a choice. We didn't, we had to take these COVID positive patients. Um, So Ron Kim has been wonderful through all of this and um, he's certainly been somebody by my side. The Ben Stiller uh, exchange was interesting because I've been very vocal about his supporters and trying to let them know, hey, have you heard about 9,000 COVID positive patients that were put into nursing homes for 46 days? And uh, so, when the governor was having a a birthday party celebration where you could basically write a check for a thousand dollars to spend some zoom time with the governor and, and that would go to his reelection campaign. Ben Stiller was one of the celebrities on board with that. So I, I went on social media and say, Hey, Ben Stiller, did you know that Your buddy who you're helping raise money for uh, put 9,000 COVID-positive patients in nursing homes. And he responded basically saying, well, he's my friend and you probably don't like him. Uh, You know, uh, go spread some sunshine. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, And then, you know, people jumped on him and were like, Ben Stiller, don't you know Janice Dean's story? And to his credit, I guess, you know, he was schooled on why I've been so vocal on his buddy, Governor Cuomo, and he apologized and deleted his tweet. He's like one of the only guys that actually has apologized. So um, I'll, I'll give Ben Stiller a pass.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was actually kind of a cool moment. I feel like there's been a few of those here and there where people are, are having those moments, though they are a few and far between. Um, when it comes to Cuomo himself, I keep coming back to the same thing, and I think it goes. I think there's a thread that runs through the Me Too allegations uh, to what we're seeing here today, which is a constant uh, thirst for more control. You know, there's a story during all of the nursing home uh, when that was first happening. Uh, a Brooklyn nursing home said, "We can't hold these patients. We can't do anything." Can we put these patients instead onto this giant ship that has pulled up uh, to help you with COVID patients? That's empty. The Javits Center, which was basically empty, and he said no to this. There's he tried to silence his critics uh, uh, from uh, about the nursing homes. He tried to silence his critics about the Me Too allegations. There's this. There's this incredible desire to control everything, usually by threats and f- threats of force and, and uh, visceral uh, language um, that he has now been caught on, on tape using. This stuff is really disturbing. And I think no matter whether you think he's innocent of some of these things, that has been there. It's been confirmed by a 100 sources over the years, and it's not going away as long as this guy's in office.
1: That's a good point. And I think it's, it, it goes to the old saying, you know, if one person stands up, then other people will feel that they can stand up, too. I think that's what's happening with reporters. I think that's what's happening with uh, the Me Too uh, movement is one person stands up, Lindsay Boylan, and then others feel more comfortable to stand with them. And Mm. I've certainly found that with my relationship with Ron Kim and lawmakers now and reporters coming forward and saying, this is the way this guy has always been. But now they feel that it's okay to to finally tell their truth. And I'm okay with that. It took a long time, I guess. Um, Better late than never, as they say.
0: Mm. Um, Before we let you go, uh, we're going to be talking to you about your book in the coming uh, episode. But I wanted to ask you about something you posted on social media about The View. Um, you know, p- people, y- you've come on the show a bunch of times and, and, and talked about your story, but you're, this, you know, this has not been your life. You're not like this ideal, you're know, certainly not a, a, a political ideologue. You don't come out and you don't make you know, statements about the news typically. This is a very special circumstance. Your book is Make Your Own Sunshine. Like this is a book uh, and, and you've had a pre- previous book as well that that is just trying to make people happy and bring some light into the world. It seems like it would be something that would be perfect for The View, but they won't take you. Is this related to Andrew Cuomo?
1: I think a hundred percent. And I was actually on the View two years ago with my my book, my other book, Mostly Sunny, which was a, a memoir. Megan and McCain and I, Megan McCain and I are very close. We've known each other for probably a decade now. She's actually brought my family up many times on the View, as early as May of last year, um, when I started to get vocal about the governor. And so it's. You know they've been really reluctant to cover Andrew Cuomo, and we mentioned Ben Stiller. Well, Whoopi Goldberg was one of the people that were also that was also helping the governor celebrate his birthday oh. and campaign, right, mm. and and raise funds for him. So I think they have been very slow to talk about him. But a couple of weeks ago, they had Ron Kim on, which I was very pleased with, um, and they did have the governor on when he was promoting his fictional leadership book and really didn't ask about the nursing homes. So I had my publicist asked a couple of times if I could come on and talk about the book and and then, you know, tell my family's story because it's a New York story, and it should be one of the biggest stories in New York history when it comes to COVID. Um, But there were several no's, and I also found out internally that my name has been brought up before to have on as a guest, and it was always no. So um, I'm I'm pretty sure why.
0: Mm. No, it's fascinating. You should get the book. It's called Make Your Own Sunshine by Janice Dean. Inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. I mentioned we're going to talk to Janice again about the book here in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for coming back on the program and, and catching us all up on all of this.
1: You're the best. Sue.
0: <laughs> thank you. So, thank you, uh, Janice. Andrew Cuomo is as Janice points out. Uh, uh, Janice, thanks so much for coming on the program. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you, my
0: friend. OK, back in a second. So shortly after I finished taping my interview with Janice Dean, what happens? I look at my phone alerts all over the place. What are they talking about? New crap about Andrew Cuomo. Of course, because you can't get through a day without more breaking Andrew Cuomo news. So we didn't get a chance to talk to uh, Janice about this. But let me give you a couple updates. There is another accuser that has come uh, forward. She is a new uh, she's a current aide, a current one um, uh, to the. Uh, uh, To the governor, Um, she says she told The New York Times that Mr. Cuomo would ogle her body, remark on her looks and make suggestive comments to her and another executive aide. Um, Now, she is also saying that he would look down her shirt while she was he was trying to uh, she was trying to do, I guess, dictation. Um, The most serious accusation against the governor was made uh, by another current aide who has accused Mr. Cuomo of groping her breasts in the executive mansion, Ms. McGrath. uh, This is the new Uh, current aide who's talking out publicly. She's the first current aide to speak out publicly um, with her name attached to it. Um, She is saying um, that the aide described the other aide with the serious accusation. I know this is hard to keep track of. But uh, the new one today and the new aide is saying that the other aide, who we don't know her name yet, but has made the most serious accusation, also told this to this aide. So she's confirming the most serious accusation while making one of her own. She said uh, she the co-worker who has not been identified publicly told her that the governor had asked her not to talk about the alleged incident, knowing the two women regularly spoke and texted about their interactions with Mr. Cuomo. She goes on to describe some creepy stuff as they're doing dictation. Uh, there's not any physical contact, uh, but is there's some more of the kind of uh, behavior we've seen from these Cuomo allegations over and over again. Uh, another new uh, detail coming about Lindsey Boylan. Now, Lindsey Boylan was the first accuser who first made her uh, accusations public in December. She then brought them back up. And and when she brought them up a second time, for some reason, that's when it really sort of kicked into gear and all these other people started coming out and speaking Um, uh, publicly Uh, in her latest story of alleged inappropriate comments and behavior from the governor Boylan told the New Yorker that in February, 2018, the governor brought his new dog to a press conference. The dog jumped up and down near her and the New Yorker reported reported Boylan told the publication that Cuomo then said he would attempt to mount her if he was a dog, which he kind of is frankly seems that way. Um, One other story here. This This one's amazing. And one thing you could say, there's a lot of allegations about uh, the sexual impropriety and sexual harassment around the office with Governor Cuomo. We don't know which ones are true and which ones aren't. We do our best here at Studez America, despite the fact that it pains me to do so, to give Governor Cuomo due process, because that's what we do in this freaking country. Okay, he's already had the due process on the nursing home thing. To me, that's more than enough to get him out of office. But... There's still, we don't know what's gonna happen here, right? We, we don't know. However, we do know this that he's a freaking liar, a constant and direct liar. All the time he lies. He does not know how to speak without lying. He always lies. He's a liar. Who lies? Uh, here is a, a tweet. Uh, this one uh, comes from Shane Goldmacher. Uh, New, the New York Times reported on February 22nd that Cuomo once told an adversary he would liken him to a child rapist if he kept comparing Cuomo to Republicans. Cuomo's office denied he said it. Now you can hear the exclusive tape of Cuomo saying just that on The Daily. Listen. If you ever say, well, he's better than a Republican again, I'm going to say you're better than a child rapist. How about that? Governor, our, I want to. I apologize, but I got to clarify one thing. You're free to say whatever you want, Governor. Um, uh, but but I just I just like want to be clear. Our line is going to be that we have differences with you, but our differences with the Republicans are far greater. That's what we're going to continue to say, because that is, you know, we, we don't have 100 percent agreement. And quite frankly, Governor, we're very comfortable with you saying the same thing. You know, you you, you probably think many of our positions, you don't have to agree with us. I think you're better than a child rapist. I just want you to know. I think you're better than a child rapist. I just want you to know. And he also says, if you compare just exactly what he said, if you if you compare me to Republicans again, I'm going to compare you to a child rapist. There it is. audio tape. Cuomo had already denied it because he's just lying. He's just lying all the time. And every time he says a word, it's usually a lie in my opinion, of course. Uh, so that's out there as well today. I will recommend, you know, The Daily is, a, is sort of the flagship podcast of The New York Times. Uh, sometimes their episodes are really, really good. I will say today is on Andrew Cuomo. It's a barn burner. It's worth a listen if you want to go back and uh, check about uh, Cuomo's history going all the way back to before he had any public role. I mean, they have uh, incidents of him being a dirtbag, going back years and years and years and years. And they go through a lot of them on The Daily today. uh, uh, That is Friday. Back in a second. So this experiment with trying out a completely senile person as president is working out really well so far. Uh, So far, so good. (laughs) Uh, One weird thing that kind of came out today that the White House is uh, is is asking and has asked several different White House employees to resign Because they admitted they had used cannabis in the past. Now, I don't know. Maybe if you were some tough on drugs administration, you might expect that a little odd, though, coming from the Biden administration, who you'd think has he's on like all sorts of prescriptions just to get up in the morning. But anyway, uh, 14 states and the District of Columbia has have legalized marijuana for adult recreational use. Thirty six states permit medical use of the drug. Uh, It's still illegal on the federal level, as you probably know. While hiring staffers earlier this year, the Biden administration asked employees to disclose past cannabis use uh, as part of a lengthy background check, but told some of them that they would overlook their answer. Um, Another staffer claimed uh, is exclusively targeting younger staff and staff who came from states where it is legal. Like, why are you hiring trying to hire these people if you're just going to try to sink them afterward under new guidelines introduced by the Biden administration. White House staffers have been used to seize, asked to cease all cannabis use and are subject to random drug tests. So, I mean, I think they're on drugs, too. So I think this is probably a smart, a smart idea. Um, only 14,000 now uh, migrant children in custody at the border. Just the 14,000. That's not 100,000. Is it a billion? no. It's just 14000. Is that four or five times as many as Trump was dealing with when they were uh, at the border every night saying uh, and screaming about a crisis? Sure. Uh, Sure. Yeah, of course. But it's not a trillion migrants are are at the border right now. Um, Kind of interesting because it's not a crisis. It's definitely not a crisis. No crisis here. No crisis to be seen. Absolutely no crisis. Whenever you ask the Biden administration, it's just a challenge. It's a humanitarian challenge, except when Jen Psaki apparently slips up. When you were talking a moment ago about diplomatic negotiations between the United States and Mexico, um, you said crisis on the border is, is was that a, a challenges issue? on the border. OK, but so that's not that doesn't reflect any change in the nope. administration's view of things. Nope. No, I just effed up. But thank you so much for pointing it out. I appreciate that. Look, it's hard to continue to use language like this when, you know, you know. It's not true. It becomes a challenge after a while. You're up there answering all these questions, trying to think on your feet, and at times you kind of, kind of let yourself kind of swing back into reality instead of the false reality you're trying to propagate on the people. Uh, so she said crisis by mistake, just a mistake from Jen Psaki, not an actual admission of reality. You need to know that. Uh, also, uh, CNN. Speaking of an admission. Of reality, this is a tough one for CNN. Um, Almost 50 percent down in the ratings since Donald Trump left office, and this is one of the big challenges here. Obviously, the media hated Donald Trump in in every way possible. We all know that. The issue, though, is Donald Trump was really good for business. They've they've admitted that several times, um, not on on TV, but you know, in you know, their executives have, have blurted things like this out before. And so it's tough. You get the guy out of office. Yay, we can celebrate. And now you've got half the audience size because, honestly, Joe Biden's pretty dull. Uh, He hasn't really out in front of the public all that often. They're hiding him to try to hide what he's doing um, because when they show him on camera, he does stuff like this. This is him today trying to go up the stairs of Air Force One. I got to say, this is a little uncomfortable to watch. Uh, Going up the stairs, everything's going fine. Uh, All right. Oh, take a false step. No big deal. Oh, there's another one. Okay, down two. Now he collapses completely on the side. Uh, finally gets up, dusts off, and then does eventually i will say make it to the top of the steps so that's good. He did get up there. they are saying he's fine, and that again is kind of like the border crisis thing. he's totally fine. It's just a humanitarian challenge for him to get up those steps. No big deal don't worry about it. everything's fine. Your president can't quite make it up the stairs i mean there's Dozens of articles about how bad Donald Trump's health was when he had to like lift his own arm a little bit to kind of get the to, to drink the water because he was afraid of spilling it on his tie. Uh, when he looked a little ginger uh, going downstairs, everyone. There's all sorts of reports about the health. Uh, but Joe Biden slipping multiple times up one little staircase. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Go home and go back to sleep. Back in a second. You know, a lot of people just tune in. They're like, oh, let me hear that monologue about the Asian-American violence. Or let me hear that great Janice Dean. I love her. And we'll listen to that interview. That's all great and everything. But only the cool kids make it to this part of the show. It's the last break of the show. We appreciate it. Please click like on the video. By the way, we should probably do something for the people in the cool kids club. We keep just saying it. Um, You know, we we should give them like an Andrew Cuomo's awful mug. In fact, let's do that today. Uh, if you are at, at students America on Twitter, the first person to tweet to me the code 179 1st person to tweet that to me at Studios America. I'm going to send you an Andrew Cuomo's awful mug. That's how wonderful we are. I don't know why that code, but just don't worry about it. All right. I want to tell you one story before we leave tonight. OK, remember this whole Green New Deal. One of the big things in the Green New Deal. We mocked it relentlessly. They brought up cow farts in the in the whole sketching out of the Green Green New Deal that they later said was just a mistake. They didn't mean to send it out, even though they sent it out to multiple news organizations. And they said, oh, it's not cow farts. Well, it's a big. It is a big problem. You know, does contribute in a big way to methane emissions. Well, shockingly, scientists, you know, doing their sciencing have discovered something interesting. If they feed cows seaweed, they cut methane emissions By 82%. Look, I don't care about the Green New Deal. Climate change, I'm not as worried about it as some of you might be. But just for the point is I don't really want cows to belch and fart that much. Give them the freaking seaweed. I mean, come on.